Hi, welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. So glad you're here with us today. We're looking forward to the next 12 weeks. I'm here with Joshua West. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? Good morning, Gary. Glad to be with you. Good morning. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, 12-week series on the parables of Jesus. Jesus is teaching at his, at his most profound, most powerful, most uh, compassionate, most challenging, and most interesting, I think, in some ways as well. Certainly, the parables are the red letters of Jesus, and we know we take note of that because His words uh, are the words of, of God. This, uh, you know, of course, all the Scripture is the Word of God. So, yeah, so this is, uh, just so you know, uh, Joshua came up with this idea for this 12-week series of podcasts. Usually, I come up with the ideas, and Joshua came up with this one uh, because we've been partnering in this, and we're looking forward to, to this. So, what? Uh, just a little bit of background, what put the... Uh, uh, what was it on your heart that you know, kind of came to me and said, hey, you're Lord put on your heart to do the parables? Well, you know, the parables um, are the teachings of Jesus. Like you said, all the, the whole Bible is God-breathed. Everything is inspired and profitable. But there are places in the Bible where it's telling us about things that happen, narratives right. of sinful men, history. But these are literally direct teachings and words from Jesus. And they deal with things, like you said, the compassion of God, but also uh, final judgment, yeah. the kingdom of God, separating sheep and goats. And so it's very weighty and important. Uh, and it's so relevant in whatever, you know, these paras, parables were relevant a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. If God tarries, they'll be relevant mm -hmm. a thousand years from now. And so just realistically wanting to um, encourage people in the truth of the actual teachings of Jesus. And one of the other reasons um, I've even written on the parables a little bit is because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about who Jesus really is and what he really taught. And so I think, you know, cutting right to his teaching and looking at them in context helps us really find out who our Savior is and what was important to him in regards to us. Mm, that's so good. And I want to encourage you that are listening to uh, uh, take note of this and really dig in over the next 12 weeks. Maybe bring your Bible, uh, notepad, especially if you're not driving, and uh, study, study this with us because the, these these are messages that are that, that Jesus spoke uh they, they were mysterious in some ways, and yet at the same time they had something profound. And each each one of the twelve will have something different that you can incorporate into your life, into your spiritual growth, uh, and into the. You're just if you're a hungry follower after Jesus, uh, this is going to help nurture your growth. So the first one we're going to be taking a look at today is is in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. Um, so this is this is a good starting place because Jesus explains what the parables are for. So t take us down that journey, would you? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of different parables in the Bible, some of them short, some of them longer, um, some of them really clear, and maybe some of them, you know, without to an undiscerning eye, maybe a little less clear. But I, I always, anytime I've done a teaching on the parables or talk about the parables, um, I personally like to start with this parable because it's the only one in which he explains to his disciples why he teaches in parables. And so for me, it's like, it just seems like sort of a natural place to start. Um, obviously, I didn't um, invent that train of thought. It seems like a lot of people who have taught in the parables, uh, you know, wise, godly men, teachers of the of the Bible seem to start there. So it just seems like a good place so that we can say, okay, this is why Jesus taught in parables and uh, and so that we can we can understand them. Yeah. The um, 13th chapter yep. of Matthew, setting the context here, uh, Jesus was in a house 
and he decides to step outside and he sits down by the sea. Uh, I have actually been to this place. I'm sure you have as well. And then as happened to Jesus, as always, verse 2, a great crowd gathered around him. And, um, and, and as he's done on various occasions as well, uh, whether it be for sound or, or just be able to see the whole crowd in front of him on the, sea, uh, on the shore, uh, the, the field here where Jesus was teaching goes up on a hill. And um, there's actually some houses still up there. Um, I don't know if it was one of them was during those days or not, but uh, you, certainly if you're there in a boat, you can. I've actually been in a boat looking back up this up this hill where he's doing his teachings, uh, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So a beautiful picture. Um, you know, I don't know. I just pictured it as a lovely day. Uh, and, and then as in verse three he says, and he told them many things in parables, saying, "A sower went out to sow." So the uh, so the, first he tells the parable right uh, before he goes on. To tell where does he tell the the reason for the parables that's a little later isn't it yeah this particular parable it's actually there are a few where it's like you go a few paragraphs and then he explains the parable right. but this one it's all contained in matthew 13 1 through 23 so he yeah. he gives the parable right. and then in verse 18 it says the parable of the sower explained and so then he kind of gives his his explanation of, of the parable yeah, yeah. But but it's in between that that he actually says why he speaks in parable. So he gives the parable, he says why he speaks in parable, yeah. and then he explains the parables to his disciples. Yeah, let's, let's go there first. Okay. Uh, before we break down the parable, because we wanted to start with this one, uh, because you said it, it he tells why he tells the parable, which, which is what? Chapter 13, verse 13, it says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull, and their ears can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and I would turn and heal them. And then he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So he explains why he, why the, the teachers of the law, why the hard-hearted people, um, why the Pharisees aren't going to understand his parables by and large but why they would. And and so it's kind of like the same message to two different audiences. Yeah. One will be perceived, one will one won't. And and he, he gives the reason why by quoting the prophet Isaiah. Yeah. And I think this is understood the the, the ones where he's saying there's 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 hundreds if not thousands of people listening to this parable, this first one he's teaching, and they're hearing but they're not gonna hear and they nor they're gonna understand uh, they see, but they won't. Their their hearts are dull. You know, I think it's easy to take this thing and say, okay, the only the only ones who were listening was the twelve, and then there was a, you know another thousand out there in the crowd that they're not going to hear or listen. I'm not sure I see it that way. Maybe you do. Uh, no, I don't either. Of, yeah, I think there was there was a mixture in the crowd. Uh, you know, the, the parable of the sower, kind of. We'll talk about that in another episode. But that 
that speaks to me. I think if you superimpose the parable of the sower onto this one, you get a better picture of what he's meaning. Like, he's not saying like, hey, you 12, the only ones that are going to understand, the rest of you don't understand, and I'm just throwing out these parables because no one's going to understand them. Yeah. Uh, almost like, you know, uh, another scripture that Jesus taught was, you know, don't cast your pearl before swines. If he knew no one was going to listen to him, why would he be teaching them in the first place? Unless there's like some say uh, he's teaching them as judgment. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think there's segments of the audience that are going to perceive and hear. Uh, I think it's healthy for us to perceive that when he's speaking to his 12, but also disciples, there's times where it's, it's mentioning there, there's yeah. this group of followers. Right. Um, this is a sort of pattern for people who who are receiving God's word. Even in John, uh, it bears that out that says, listen, this is for you and everyone who, who would believe in my name. And so I think when we, we see the people's positive response to Jesus, he's really talking to the believer. Now, there are some things that are maybe just for the disciples that he makes clear in that particular historical context. But I think we can say this is for people who, who receive. What's interesting, though, is we know from from the Bible itself, that even amongst that 12, there was one yeah. that that didn't make the journey that, yeah. you know, probably fell into one of these other soils, maybe mm -hmm. the rocky soil of yeah. <laughs> Judas, yeah, the, the, the things of this world and the love of money, yeah. you know, possibly could have, uh, you know, stopped him from being good soil. Yeah. Yeah, you're so true. So telling the truth, that's for sure. So Jesus uh, teaches these parables. He's wanting people to know that not everybody's going to be able to hear them, but but the truth will provoke them to some degree, or they're going to have to resist it. There's also another element, I think, to, to the teachings of, of, of you know why parables as it's a and, and Eugene Peterson I wrote this book called Tell It Slant, and the idea is sometimes our minds um, when somebody tells something just almost like in a directive. Um, it can be either perceived and received or uh, perceived and kind of cold-heartedly cut off. And so you kind of come around the corner and you tell a story and you affect a st You actually, a story impacts a different part of your brain uh, chemically, functionally. And so, so Jesus, even 2,000 years ago in his wisdom, knows just telling these kind of stories can relate to people in a way and open up their, almost sometimes bypass the... the um, judgments that they have or the resistance that they have and can kind of get into the heart. Uh, G.K. Chesterton says that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we think this, the scriptures are an army general in the bed saying, do this and don't do that. I command you. And he says, really what Jesus taught was he was, he sat down beside your bed and said, once upon a time. Now, I don't believe you know, I don't know if Chesterton meant this or not. I don't believe Jesus was just telling once upon a time fairy tales. Totally. But he was telling stories. He was telling parables. He was, uh, even when he was telling parables, telling parables, he was talking about uh, there was a fisherman or, uh, you know, this seed. You know, there's just, he uses the things that were in their culture uh, right. today. You know, if he were here today, I think he'd be talking about, now you, your iPhone has different apps. You know, he, you know, he would, he would, relate to the culture that he's speaking to. So there's nothing divine about telling a story about a fisherman or a sowing seed, but what it is, it's speaking to right where they're—so it could really impact their understanding, their heart, their mind, uh, even though he knew that so many of them wouldn't receive it. But those who would, uh, their eyes would be enlightened in another way. And plus, I'd say another thing is it's a very memorable way to to, to, to preach. And so Jesus is, he's preaching here. And so he wants to do it in a way that people 
would be able to remember. And of course, here we are now, 2,000 plus years, still remembering yep. uh, what, what he said. So yeah, anything to add to that as to why parables? Well, I think, I think one thing we, you know, that I, it, it's not a cut and dry black and white thing I'm about to say, but Jesus taught both ways. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives very direct teachings. Mm-hmm. He talks about the what I like to call the evidence of the gospel transformed life, the Beatitudes. Yep. He, you know, he points to himself as the fulfillment of the word and the law, um, and then he gives these, you know, very clear cut directives, commands, and sort of outcomes of people who would follow him and people who wouldn't. Very, very clear teaching. I mean, Matthew 7 is so clear. Yeah. Um, but then it seems like throughout the much of his teaching, especially in mixed audiences, he's illuminating these truths th- through these amazing stories in a very in a very Eastern sort of way. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of Eastern teaching uh, takes a truth and will draw a picture around it that that things that aren't like this to expose what this is or asking questions that lead to a conclusion. Um, and in parables, they, they give these memorable imprints. And I think as pastors, we don't do this in a divine nature like Jesus did, but that's why we tell stories to illuminate truth. That's why we talk about, you know, the gospel, you know, being good news and bad news, like going into a doctor. We want to communicate these truths in a way that people go, aha, I see what you're saying. And the thing we have to remember, especially with this parable, is Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that, that the, the weight of burden is not on us. It really, this parable's, yes, it is about the, the, you know, the sower. Mm-hmm. It is about the parable of the sower because the word of God is that seed. But realistically, it's really a parable about four kinds of soil. Yeah. And that's what this is really about, the condition of man's heart, because the word of God is the same no matter what. And, and no matter how clearly Jesus illuminated it through a story or through not, there's, there's heart conditions that wouldn't accept Christ under any circumstances. And so I think that's why this is another reason this parable is so good, because the condition of our heart really has so much to do with how we receive God's word. And so I think that's, I think that's a great reason to introduce it is as we go through these other parables, realizing that, that we have to make our hearts ready to receive God's word. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, I, me- I mentioned we may get into this in another episode, but I think we have time to start digging into it right yes, now. Sir. I think we've laid a little bit of a foundation. Let me just encourage you as you're listening to the rest of this podcast and the ones coming up, to, to ask yourself today, particularly as, as you as you hear these four types of soil, ask yourself, which, which one do I feel like I am? And then ask yourself a second question, how, how would I get to the one that I want to be at, uh, the good soil, where there's the production of uh, 100-fold, 60-fold, or some 30-fold? How do I get to verse 9, the, the one who has ears to hear, let him, let him hear? So those are two questions I want you to uh, be thinking as you hear us take some um, time into the, to these verses. Do you want to read uh, for us? Verse 3 of chapter 13 says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them, and other seeds fell on rocky ground, uh, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. 
The, some other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let them hear. Mm, so good. So four, a sower went out and he finds four different um, soils or, or lack thereof. And uh, <clears throat> there are certain elements that take place from that. Let's, uh, let's just take a brief look at the first one. Gary, can we just... Uh, to make sure we did, just for the sake of the listener, yeah. let them know that the seed, of course, is the word of God. I know we yeah. said that before. That's a good point, the, yeah. the seed is the word of God, and and in the the people who were under the sound of Jesus's voice were farmers. I mean, it was you farmed to live. Very few people didn't have a knowledge of what this meant. Today, we don't have that similar knowledge, but they used a method called broadcast sowing where the field was primed and ready to go. They would have a satchel. You know, obviously, sometimes people used animals for larger planes, but they would just walk across and cast the seed out, and this idea would easily be understood by them. Some of the seed that they threw out would roll onto the path, and some would fall in different places. And so I think just the most important thing we have to realize from the beginning is it's the Word of God, and there's not a lot of like, Jesus doesn't talk about a particular sowing technique. He's not like, hey, make sure, you know, he's basically saying spread, you know, the Word of God is being spread. I think the the thing he wants them to focus on mostly is what condition is your heart? So, just mm-hmm. starting before we jump into the the first uh, the first condition of the soil, and then now we can go into the seed that was sown along yeah. the path. Yeah, and keep in mind too that Jesus is going to explain this a little bit more in in depth. So we'll we'll go a little more depth, but let's just oh, start yes, up on a sure. more, more surface level. So the first one is the path. So as you're saying, he's scattering the seeds, and here's the field, but <clears throat> there's some. The path is where it's been kind of trotted down. It wasn't like a concrete sidewalk. They didn't have those in those days. So it was just uh, where maybe the cattle had passed by. And so the ground would not be broken up. It would not have been tilled. And so it's not prepared to receive the Word of God. It has has, uh, for for various reasons. So the first one's the path, and then the birds came. The second one is rocky ground. So that's in this field. There's the path on the side. And then there's places maybe could be a boulder, or it could be uh, accumulation of certain amount of rock, so it's not going to go into the to the softer soil as well. <clears throat> the, and then the, uh, the 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 third one is the thorn, thorns, correct? Am I missing that? Yeah, no, yes, sir. Thorny th- thorny soil. Yeah, and so it's it's uh, it's able to grow there. It's there's must there's there's enough good soil to get something to grow, but it doesn't produce and then finally the good soil so those are the four things and uh yeah do you want to comment on that or do you want to go on to the we can go go into the explained we can go into the explained but i i uh i you know i just say something about the the path that's worn it's funny when i uh when we pastored at teen challenge we're on an 80 acre ranch Mm -hmm. and we have a we had a beautiful facility and pathways for the guys to walk from the chapel to their dorm room and sidewalks and all this sort of stuff but to go down the actual road would have took a little longer so there's this place right right across the field (laughs) you could see where they didn't use the sidewalk it's where everybody walked back and forth from the dorm to the chapel and in that place there was no grass the ground was hard and it's because people had trampled on it to the point where 
it, it was almost like a sidewalk. Yeah. You know, it, it was clay, but so I just, yeah. the image just popped into my head. Like you think about yeah. these foot worn and anywhere you go in life, these foot worn paths that really pack that soil down hard. And, and you could imagine a seed would have a hard time yeah. finding place in that soil. Right, right. Do you want to read through the, uh, sure. the yeah. uh, starting, I guess, at verse 18? 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what he has sown in his heart. That is what is sown along the path, or this is what is sown along the path. Verse 20, um, as for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who receives, uh, who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruits, fruit and yields it, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Words of Jesus. So, yeah, looking at the, the first three elements. So, in verse 3, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed he fell among the path. So then Jesus describes that one, and he says, when anyone hears the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what's sowed along the path. So he explains verse 3. Of course, there wasn't verses when he was teaching this, but right. he, he's talking to his disciples now and saying, hey, when I was talking about the sower, uh, that the, the, the seed that fell along the path, the birds came and devoured him. The birds, he, he says here, is Satan. Is coming, or the evil one is coming. He snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is kind of strange to me. I was, this is so. So it's it's a. It's not like this is a person, you know, because we're talking about the path hardened down and trampled, and you know, you, you picture then so somebody's hurt and wounded and be beaten and stepped on and just, you know, then becomes resistance to the gospel. But but it says here that that it enters into their heart, which I think is kind of profound. That Jesus is saying, you know, even the most even the most uh, hardened people. When the word of God is brought, it it will usually penetrate the heart to some degree. It could be some form of conviction, even if it doesn't turn them from sin. It could be a form of of uh, producing some guilt when they've never been guilty over something before. It's a, it really works some pretty phenomenal ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, one thing that we have to be careful of when we deal with parables or any sort of like analogy or allegory in the Bible. You know, we we can get too try to like think every single detail must have a spiritual place and sometimes we can we can get too deep into this but but if jesus mentions certain things right. in in comparison i think people go beyond the words sometimes and they say well this must mean this and this means that but i think you know without over complicating it i think this this idea that what you said is the word of god falls in, in the hearts of every person i think one of the things that we realize about hardened soil is, is there some sort of, we harden it. Like we, we like this, this idea that there's some human effort that makes hardened soil hard. It's along the path. And so I feel like that, that kind of makes us realize that we, we have to be conscientious of the fact that we can't let things harden us. One other thing I would say too, is obviously this parable is about, the state of people in salvation. But I also think there's a more shallower place too where Christians themselves 
who are definitely have you have to have good soil for the seed to take root and to be a believer but i think we can also realize that there can be rocks in our garden Mm -hmm. there can be hardened places in our garden there can be thorny places in our garden so i think we can think about this parable in both lights yeah absolutely that's i think that's one of the things about the parables you know i I think um you know commentaries or bible scholars or when you're in seminary they 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 will tell us and rightfully so you know, there's there's not multiple interpretations of scripture. Completely. There's one, and yet at the same time, I think when it comes to parables, the wisdom of the parables is it can hit people in some different ways. Yeah. Uh, so for for one, so so it's not that cut and dry, cold uh, academia like oh, this 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 parable can only have one uh, translation. So so what you're saying is, I think is, is wise. You know, this is not just how to become a Christian. This is can be a Christian at certain times certain words. I think ultimately it is about becoming a Christian and scripture does have one meaning. I agree with every Bible scholar, but sometimes there's depth to that meaning. There's more, it's not a two different meanings, but sometimes there's, you know, there's much depth to these meanings, especially how they relate to the rest of the Bible and to, you know, we're talking about God here. How people receive it too has different, uh, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Okay. I, uh, a theologian could come and say, "Well, that only has one meaning. That you know, God is, um, you know, he, he has the uh, the attribute of of love, uh, Hesed, uh, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So that's the, you know, that's the clearest interpretation of that scripture. And yet, somebody could take and go, like, I've never been loved in my life. So this is this is the first time I've ever been loved. Yeah. A scholar could say, "Well, that doesn't mean that. Right. So, well, to the person who heard it, it does mean that. As, as we go to this parable, I think it's it, it, yes, it, it speaks about." An unregenerate heart, the word of God coming in. How do they receive the word of God? Um, but it also can be a Christian at certain times. Certain words can be devoured from us. So, so you know, maybe I'm, uh, maybe we're teaching on uh, on on kindness towards other people, and you know, just that that particular seed doesn't get in your heart, or it get or it's choked because of the cares of this world. So, and I, th- I would say there's another one too that I look at this sometimes as in my own life as a progressive thing, um, when you know when 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 certain things get devoured easily, and then all of a sudden it, the next time it it uh, it didn't have much soil, so it springs up, the, the, that truth springs up now, but. It doesn't have enough soil to, to last, so so maybe it has something to do. Let's use tithing for instance. So you're you're a young Christian and you first hear it, and you go like, I'm not giving my money away. But then <laughs> right. you get convicted and you you give a little bit. But then it's like, no, I'm gonna keep my money. So it sprang up, but then it went away. And then the third one, it's like the sun rose, and uh, uh, but it didn't have depth of soil, so uh, it, it withers. It, so it, so maybe this is now for months now you've been practicing that discipline, uh, and then the last time. It's it's you know it's it, it 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 gets choked even though it it grew up it grew to something but then the cares of this world came and so you know whether it be tithing or it could be a multitude of things again I I agree with you that there's I think the important thing is to stay this really means that exactly we, we can we can extract a few things from it for our own personal devotional life but not to you know you don't want to build a whole team because then you can get off that's where people get like. You know, so into my ministry, a hundred dollars, exactly. and you get fifty, you know, sixty, a hundredfold back. Uh, doesn't, you know, definitely, you can stretch it too far as well. So we can take a hermeneutical principle and just completely sum it up. All scripture has one intended meaning. Right. 
but many applications. That's, good that's a good, down. that's a good yeah. hermeneutical principle that keeps us safe. Yeah. So there are things that I could try to say this has an, or not meanings, uh, applications, if I didn't say that correctly, has one particular meaning, but many applications. Yeah. And so I think that there are times where, now the thing is, if my application somehow undermines the actual meaning of it, then I'm in trouble. And that's what a lot of people do who take the Bible out of context and use it for their own means and purposes. And not some just to like, you know, take, get more of your money. Sometimes it's just because people don't understand that basic biblical principle. What was Jesus trying to say? We need to mind that. Um, if we, if we add things to it, applications don't, don't fit in with the actual meaning, then we're not mining what Jesus said. We're in a different mine. (laughs) There's some pretty scary words in here. And, and I think Jesus intended them to be there. So we would examine our heart. Um, devoured is one word. Um, no depth, another word, verse 6, scorched, verse 6, withered, verse uh, 7, choked. Uh, these, are, these are words, if, if we really want to care and intend for the garden of our heart, you know, we, we just want to examine, is there anything in my life that would choke the word? Is there anything in my life that would, would uh, scorch, you know, burn, burn away the the, the the things that belong in my heart and so that I think that's I think I, I would like to our, our friends who are listening to us today to to take this parable we're talking about today and 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 look at it from both sides okay here here's the warnings um, that that I don't want to be burned I don't want to be scorched I don't want to be choked I don't want the, these things to be plucked up from my life or birds to snatch them away and so Lord help me help me to hear your word, to receive your words, the salvation word, the discipleship word, the sanctification word that comes into my life, the the the, the judgment word, the not the judgment word, but the 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 the, uh, the, the word of uh, correction and reproof and rebuke. Let that come in. On the other hand, <clears throat> flip side is a lot of Christians live under self-imposed shame and condemnation. So they they read a parable like this and they go like, oh, I'm. I'm Right. I'm choked. I'm I'm plucked up. I'm scorched, <clears throat> and they don't understand grace. That your heart is not. Uh, you don't look at this and go like, okay, well, I'm going to have a good heart, and then Jesus can come and He can throw some seed my way, and then I'll receive it. It's it's he he's he's not only producing the seed and giving us the seed. He's producing the good soil yes. in us, and so it, uh, our our <clears throat> responsibility in this thing is just to God provide good soil. In yes. me, so that I can receive your word. It's not like you're going to bring your word. Okay, so I've got to work on my half as making sure my heart's a good. So who can do that? Nobody. Nobody. And so I think that's almost one of these parables. Some of these parables are parables of hopelessness, showing us like I, I just can't do this completely. Uh, you know, the the so the the king that went against the he has ten thousand and uh, and he's being attacked by twenty thousand. Yes. You know, you, you you can't do it. You can't win. Completely. And, and so this is, who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, responding to what you said about the self-critical person, um, and before we run out of time, I have a Spurgeon quote I want to read. Okay, yeah. But real, you know, real quickly, you, we could say the seed is the word of God. The seed sown on the path is the hardened heart. The the seed sown on the rocky soil is maybe a false convert where the, the word never took root. The thorny soil is is soil that has some good broken soil in it, yeah. but also has some thorns, also has some some things that can choke the seed out. And of course, the the good soil is a broken and contrite heart. I think the the person who 
who looks at themselves and says, I do have rocks in my heart. I do have places I'm hard. That person is actually the good soil because he's the broken and contrite heart. You know, Psalm 51 says a broken and contrite heart. God will not resist. He will not, he will not turn away from it. And so the idea of of seeing our need for the great gardener <laughs> to come and tend to the soil of our heart. That is the broken soil. It is the neediness, the brokenness, even the hopelessness apart from Christ. And I think, I think the, uh, that there's a person that could skip over this stuff and say to themselves, uh, well, I'm, I'm the good soil because I'm a Christian. And then there's a person on the polar opposite that every negative thing they're applying to their life because they're in sanctification. And what we have to really realize is, is the broken soil is the person that sees their desperate need mm-hmm. for God. And that is an overarching theme of scripture. I mean, that's why, why God, you know, even in the Old Testament, wanted to reduce down armies and send a, a teenage boy to kill the the champion of of the Philistines because it's God who's the hero, not us. And so, uh, do you mind if I read a Spurgeon quote no, real do. quick? Yeah. When I when I think about these different soils, uh, especially like a hard soil or or a soft and broken soil, and you. Many people have heard the last line of this, but I just want to read the whole paragraph because it's so powerful. Um, Spurgeon said, I believe the gospel makes some men more miserable than they would be. The drunkard could drink and revel in his intoxication with greater joy if it had never been said, all drunkards will have their place in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. How jovial the Sabbath breaker could riot through his Sabbaths if it was not written, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. How happy could the libertine or the litigious man drive on in his mad career if it were not said the wages of sin is death and then after that the judgment. But the truth put the bitter in his cup. The warnings of God froze the current of his soul. The truth of the gospel and the scripture shine bright like the midday sun. And let us remember that the same sun which melts the wax also hardens the clay, and the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others to their sin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we see that that beautiful, like the idea and the even in the part about the thorn, thorny soil, that sun that's that's withering the shallow Christian out is actually causing nourishment and growth for the, this, the, the believer whose heart is rooted in the good soil and God's word can find place. The same, um, soil, you know, the same sun that's the same gospel that is melting some of us to repentance, that broken and contrite heart is that same gospel. I mean, that's what Second Corinthians two is really about. This idea of the Roma of Christ being from some for some death to death, and for others life to life. The aroma's the same, the sun's the same, and the question we have to ask ourselves: um, coming to Christ, but over the course of our Christian life, is what's the condition of my heart? That's right. That's good. And then once. Uh... Once the kingdom work does what the seed is intended to, uh, we'll close off here by encouraging you. He indeed, I love that word, he indeed, it's going to happen. And that's going to happen for you if you allow the Holy Spirit to to do these works in our life. He indeed, he bears fruit, which I love that. That's the thing that you're, you're bearing fruit. But not only are you bearing fruit, but you yield it. That, that means you're giving it up. So the farmer has, uh, it's not like he just puts it in a basket, but he 
it's distributed, it's the other. So oftentimes we read these parables and be like, oh, I like this. I want a hundredfold more or 60-fold more or 30-fold more. But it's basically just what do you have to give away? And so this is a very other-centered parable as well. So our prayer for you is that you would receive uh, much of this fruit and you would yield it and giving it away to others. Thanks, Joshua. Good start. Look forward to 11 more weeks of uh, looking at the parables. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time. 